Okay. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Complete Sports Media's podcast. I'm your host, Darren Campbell, and joining me, as you can see, uh, Jason Cameron. Hey, Jason, how are you? Very good. Very good, Darren. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Really good. It's getting a little chillier out there. You can definitely tell it's fall, heading to winter. Uh, we're seeing snow in a lot of parts of the country, but luckily nothing here yet. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that yet. I don't, I don't want to see that at all, actually, to be honest with you. I, I'd rather it be like the way it was today. It was a really nice day today. If yeah. it can be like crisp and nice, no rain, no overcloud, no, no, you know, no, no cloudy stuff, that'd be great. But I can only hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, me too, yeah. So um, I think you might notice my backdrop here. Uh, I just squeezed in... Uh, Cam Newton and Bill Belichick gone to a podcast, and uh, I didn't get a chance to change it before you uh, tuned in. So I uh, had a really good talk with those guys today, and and uh, asked why they suck so bad right now. And it was uh, <laughs> it was an interesting conversation. <laughs> I, I can I can imagine I can imagine it be that good. <laughs> Man, I, I couldn't believe Belichick. He was just uh, forthright with so many answers to all my questions. You know, I just uh, asked them. Uh, you know, how does it feel to be such a horrible coach and, and, you know, to have such a terrible quarterback and, you know, Brady leaving and doing so well. And man, we had a lot of fun. It was great. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine just how forthright he was. Like, that's, that's amazing that you just got him like that. And he was able to just to answer all your questions just on, he's just on top of it. That's great. great yeah. Typical. Yeah. You know, you, he's always, just so easy to talk to and deal with that. Uh, yeah, I just thought I'd call him up and, and see if we could chat. And so, uh, yeah, it was fun. It's a good, good talk. And I'm glad, I'm glad I could squeeze him in just before you came on. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about some uh, NFL at some point tonight. Uh, Monday Nighters on right now, about halftime. Uh, Rams are up 10-3 on the Bears. A pretty good battle between uh, some two, two good teams. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. Uh, the Bears are are surprisingly pretty good this year, you know. Like, and the Rams are, the Rams are the Rams. They got they got that offense going. Whenever they start clicking, they're really really good. So, I'm, I'm more curious to see if the Rams can actually hold on to win this game, or the Bears come storming back, which I have a feeling they might possibly do in this yeah. game. I'm a huge fan of offensive football, but. The, uh, the battle between Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald was uh, something that a lot of people were talking about today. Uh, they've won three out of the last four um, MVPs on the defensive side, and uh, Aaron Donald is such a beast. Uh, Khalil Mack, once he got to the Chicago, uh, they just solidified that team, and that's, that's why they're both doing so well right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Really great move by Gruden's part to just get rid of the Khalil Mack. Yeah, that guy super sucks. He's a horrible player. Got to get him out of there. I have no idea what he was thinking. But, yeah, definitely a better fit for Khalil Mack for him being, like, such a generational-type defensive player. And for him to be on the Bears, it doesn't get any better than that. It really yeah. doesn't. Yeah. A lot of amazing football talk, uh, but I'd like to shelf that for a minute and get into uh, the huge – UFC that happened this weekend. Um, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, was uh, absolutely incredible uh, in this fight and uh, really surprised, uh, I think, everybody. 
by uh, announcing his retirement after. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, on the fight and his um, subsequent retirement? Oh, first off, the man's incredible. If you have to say who the GOAT is for the lightweight division, well, it'd be that guy. It'd be that guy that's never been defeated before. I, I, I think that's a pretty easy thing to see for yourself. And also, too, with the stuff that came out after the fight, how actually injured he was that nobody knew, yeah. that's ridiculous. That's incredible. He fought like that? Like that. Let's be honest. Normal fighters don't fight that hurt, especially with what he was going through. Two broken toes, a broken foot on the same foot. And that, the, must, the amount of pain that he was going through must have been, I don't know, pretty big, pretty severe. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then also, too, for him to go into a war with a guy as dangerous as Gaethje and do what he did. And do what he did is just, okay, because, okay, with, with the way, for the listeners, with the way that the, the fight ended was Gaethje hit him with a leg kick in the, in, in the, in the, in the calf, calf kick. Hard calf kick. It buckled his leg, but he still shot in and was successful on the shot. Not only was he successful on the shot, he took his back at the same time. Yeah. It, was, it was one of the most ridiculous coordinated transitions that I've ever seen in my life for a grappling work. Like, it was just absolute insanity. And then he had him in an arm-in triangle and changed to a real triangle. Finished the job. End of story. It was done. Unbelievable. The, the guy, the guy is the goat for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that you said there that um, come to mind. Uh, a lot of different things. Uh, obviously, the injury you talk about is just crazy. Uh, I I heard that four weeks he wasn't able to really train hard because of that injury, and um, I think he kept it secret. Uh, didn't really know. Uh, that led to him having a lot of trouble cutting the weight. Um, when he stepped onto that scale and they did, uh, you know, get him at weight, uh, he looked so relieved. I, I've never seen somebody more relieved to make weight, uh, ever. Do you, did you see that, uh, when he did step on the scale and, and made the weight? I, I saw the skeleton that was Habib. Yes. That yeah. went up on the scale to make the weight. And he, that was ridiculous. Like he needed help to get onto the scale and then help to get off the scale because he was just so completely and utterly drained. And then so you take Skeleton Habib, who just barely made weight, and you throw him into the cage with that, that ferocious beast, Gaethje, and then he still does that. The man is incredible. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that transition you talked about, uh, taking the calf kick and then turning it into a takedown, uh, not seen very much. Uh, obviously, guys, um, do look for leg kicks if they are the types of submission specialists that he are. But uh, yeah, just the way he was able to turn that around and get the, the advantage. Uh, I was speaking a little bit with Scott Holborn over the weekend, and he said that he thought Gaethje looked um, nervous. He looked uh, like he looked at Khabib as um, somebody he couldn't beat. Uh, did you get that sense from Gaethje at all that uh, he, he just felt like uh, he, he was overmatched? I don't get that sense from Gaethje ever. I don't know what Scott's talking about. <laughs> Gaethje's a real fighter, man. That yeah. guy goes in and he lays it all on the line. Win or lose, he's just going to be in there for the fight that it is. Yeah. And uh, I'd say that he was cautious 
which kind of makes sense because he's going against Norman Gamedov. Makes sense to me. And also, too, the way that he was fighting, he was trying to always lower his, 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 his base, his, his center of gravity, to make sure that he was ready for those shots that were inevitably going to come into him. Mm-hmm. So that's what he was really worried about. And he was, throwing, he was still throwing his kicks. He was throwing his punches. At the end of the day, it didn't matter. But, you know, he, he, he tried. <laughs> yeah. He tried. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I replied back to him a little bit and, and just said that I've noticed Gaethje, uh, especially earlier on his USC career, he was just, um, you know, just pressed the issue, just tried to fire as many shots as he could and try to take it out take the guy out. Uh, he got caught a lot. Even in the Tony Ferguson fight, which he completely dominated, that first round, he was just swinging crazy, throwing punches, just uh, unbelievable uh, haymaking punches. And he was even doing that against Khabib the, uh, the other night. Uh, I just felt like uh, Trevor Whitman always had to sort of reel him in after that first round and say, hey, hey, come on, uh, you got to dial that back a little bit, be a lot more accurate, be a little more crisp with your shots. Don't have to try to knock him out right now and and that was uh, what I saw again uh, he he went in with a game plan but it just seemed like he was just trying to knock him out with every shot and and a lot of those aren't going to connect and aren't going to aren't going to you know make the damage that you want to get done and uh, you know he was um, yeah he just didn't really seem to uh, be able to get that chance to change the style in the second round because it, it happened pretty quick yeah it did happen pretty quick and also too I believe Habib had that pressure on him to, to – he knew what his body would be able to withstand and with, uh, uphold. And he knew that, uh, well, you know, the foot is compromised, this is compromised. And especially once Gaethje starts getting going, a lot of other things are starting going to get compromised. So I believe he took, uh, took the initiative and created that scramble out of literally thin air and got the win. And to a certain respect that it was just – you know, if you see that transition of the way it happened, it was actually, it was just incredible to watch. It really yeah. was. Yeah. Another thing that surprised me that I've heard over the last couple of days was that he wanted to submit him with his father, Khabib's father's favorite submission. And as he was sinking it in and, uh, and actually looking at the realization that that would happen, it was an arm bar, that uh, he thought to himself, I shouldn't do this in front of his friends and family because he said before the fight, he wasn't ever going to tap. And so I'd have to break his arm in front of everybody. Why don't I just transition to a triangle? I'll choke him out and it won't embarrass him in front of his family. Uh, pretty incredible that a guy could be thinking about all that kind of stuff as those, uh, you know, those things are happening in the cage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For him to say, you know what, I'm not going to submit you this way because I'll just end up really hurting you and you'll be on the shelf for a while. But since I'm a gentleman, I'll just put you to sleep. (laughs) That is actually quite amazing. That is quite amazing that he even put himself in a situation where he could have those thoughts in his head on how exactly he wants to put his opponent away. That's just amazing. Um, we see a lot of guys retire and unretire and come back and, you know, uh, have a hard time uh, deciding to walk away for good. Uh, you know, with his father, 
dying from COVID and his mother saying that, you know, this should be your last fight. You can't fight anymore without your father. Uh, do you think we will ever see him again in the cage? Absolutely not. I, I think that Habib is he's that guy. He's a man of principle. And his principles don't change for money, ever. That's not who he is, and that's not how he was raised. I think if he said he's leaving, he's walking away, he's walking away. Yeah. And we're just fortunate enough to see greatness as it was when he was in the UFC and in the cage fighting for our entertainment. It was awesome to see. And if that's the last of it, well, then hats off to him. And I wish him well for the rest of his life. You know, he's earned it. You did say that uh, he goes down as the greatest lightweight of all time. What about the greatest UFC fighter of all time? Uh, where, do you, where does he rank in your, let's say, top five? He's up there. He's up there. About, I, oh, man. Top three, maybe? Top three? Top four? Because, I, you know, like if, if it's going to be a top four, if there's, how about this? If there's going to be a Mount Rushmore of Hall of Fame UFC fighters that you've never seen before and never will see again, Anderson Silva, George St. Pierre, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, and I'd say Norma Gamedov. Those four right there. Okay. Um, John Jones, where, where does he go? Oh, man, I, you know what? Cool that you brought him up. I would love to put John in there. I'd love to put him up there. But he has this way of sabotaging himself yeah. all the freaking time. <laughs> so he's not, I'm not putting him up there. He'll be in my top five. I'll give him top five, but he's not on my Mount Rushmore, man. I'm sorry. He's just, he's just not there. He's, his career is still going. Let's see what he does in the heavyweight division. Maybe he can still crack my top four. Maybe. Sure. But for right now, I'm very, pretty satisfied with who I have in my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I, I, I like that you included Mighty Mouse. Um, he's, he's not recognized as much as um, you know, many of the other guys, especially because you know, he left the UFC um, you know, under sort of shitty circumstances. But um, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, the only other guy that I, uh, only other one or two guys that I might put on that list are uh, Stipe, uh, you know, probably, you know, definitely considered the greatest heavyweight of all time. And, yeah. and uh, you know, Daniel Cormier uh, being able to be uh, a champ in two divisions, having such a great career. Unfortunately, Cormier losing to Jones and Stipe, um, you know, does put a little bit of a cloud over his uh, career and legacy. Yeah, for sure, man. But also, too, Daniel Cormier did things that, you know, we've, we've never, well, we have seen before, but he did it in his way. Yeah. And he, he was in some of the, some of the, Greatest fights we've ever seen. So Daniel Cormier, there's no shame in what he's done in his career, what he's accomplished, for sure. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, uh, who do we see next? Uh, now that he's vacated the belt, uh, what, what do you see as the logical next step for the UFC to make? Uh, one thing I heard was that uh, maybe McGregor, Fourier against each other. Whoever wins that fight, fights Gaethje for the belt. Um, what do you think about that? First off, I'm going to say this. You got, you got five guys. You got five guys that are right there at the top with Chandler now coming in right. as the fifth guy. So I'd say your top four, McGregor, Poirier, Ferguson, Gaethje, and the fifth being Chandler. I say that you have a fight off between all four of those guys, mix and match, however, however, however you want to do it, UFC.
But definitely do not do Ferguson Gaethje again. I've already seen that. Yeah. I see something a little bit different. All right? But mix and match with those five guys to your heart's content. See what happens with that. And then whoever comes out of that, that scrum, gets to fight for the title. That's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm disappointed that Khabib walked away. Uh, it's so tough to, to see a guy leave um, when he's, he seems to be getting better. Uh, seems to be, you know, in his prime still. Uh, only had three title defenses. Uh, you know, still could be a huge draw. Uh, I've got George St. Pierre here on my left and uh, up here on my left. And they, they talked about George St. Pierre being the net, next logical uh, opponent of his. And now that he's gone, uh, GSP says, you know, hey, I've been retired for three years. I'm 39. There's nobody else I want to fight and I'm not coming back. So uh, finally, an end to the chapter of GSP. And it's just really too bad that um, they could never put that fight together. Yeah, yeah, it, it is too bad. But then also, too, you know, somebody could have something to blame for that. Dana, stubborn. Yep, Barry. So, you know, his stubbornness sometimes doesn't get him the fights that he feels should happen on his time. Well, how about this, Dana? Sometimes these fights will never happen on your time, period. Because you decided not to make them happen. So, great. I'm pretty sure, though, that your owners, the guys that you still work under, because I believe you still have bosses, I think they still have a lot of money to pay off to the banks. So, big fights, kind of a must right now. So, anyways, hopefully, you know what, UFC will learn from this and capitalize on their, when they, when they have a chance to make big fights, make the big fight, man. Make the big fight. That's what I say. I saw a lot of tears uh, in Khabib's corner, uh, Javier Mendez, um, his trainers. Uh, AKA has been a very dominant team for many years. They had Cain Velasquez as the champ, Daniel Cormier, Luke Rockhold, and Khabib now. Um, now there's going to be uh, maybe a, a transition period in trying to you know, get all these guys to coach the next champion. Uh, they, they did talk about... Um, Islam Makhachev uh, being maybe the next guy, but uh, 10 years, really, they've, they've had a belt uh, and title fights to train for out of that gym. It's been a pretty dominant um, gym there, and, uh, yeah, pretty incredible legacy they, they have had on the sport for a long time. Oh, yeah, man, they, they definitely have. They've had an incredible legacy, but now it's time for that new blood to get in there and start dominating for, like, that club for AKA, for sure. And I know that they got guys on the horizon, guys on, on the coming up, so that that's who they should be putting their efforts and their and their their full force behind, yeah. so that they, they can get their shots too as well. So the um, co-main event had a, a really great middleweight uh, bout between uh, Robert Whitaker and Jared Cannonier. Um, there had been lots of talks that the, immediately whoever won this fight was going to get a a championship uh, title chance again. Uh, Cannoneer was called out by Adesanya saying, hey, you win this fight, you're, you're next. Adesanya doesn't want to fight Whitaker next, saying, um, you know, I beat him handily. Why fight him? But um, after this performance from Whitaker, great fight. Uh, does he deserve the title shot? Yep, yep, I'd say so. He, he does. He beat a very game, a very game Cannoneer. Like, like, especially in that third round where he had him rocked. And Cannonier, like other fighters would have just laid down and said, ah, I He's, he got me, right? Ah, he did not do that. He did not do that at all. 
ended up coming back and rocking him in the third. Yeah. It it kind of felt like to me, I, I don't know about you, but it kind of felt like to me, you give him two more rounds, I don't know if Whitaker comes out winning. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. He seemed like he was really coming on the, at the end of that third round. So, But kudos to Whitaker. He took the fight. He won the fight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he deserves to fight Asanya again. But, boy, you better come up with a game plan for that guy. And it's got to be rock solid. And it's yeah. got to be good. And on top of that, your game plan better have a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. Because that's how good that guy is. Mm -hmm. So you better be prepared when you go in there into that octagon with him again. Yeah, that was, um, it was a fun fight. Um, Cannonier is tough. Uh, he's one of only two modern UFC fighters with a knockout in three different weight classes. Started out as heavyweight, went to light heavyweight, now middleweight. Uh, he had that uh, reach advantage, uh, was really, um, yeah, really had him in a lot of trouble, wobbled him pretty badly in that third round after uh, taking a head kick and um, yeah, it uh, it was a fun fight. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. But Whitaker's tough. He's um, you know number one contender. Uh, had you know former champ there. Uh, man, uh, you know he's done a lot more than I ever thought he he would in the early days. But um, yeah, I think uh, he deserves another chance. Uh, no fighter is the same when they step into the cage the next time. And you know he's been able to face him for you know, those rounds and, and being able to, you know, see what it, what it takes to beat him. And uh, maybe he can come up with a game plan and, and keep working on the skills that he needs to, to take out the champ. Yeah. Well, you'll have to, because like that, that guy is incredibly gifted. So whatever he comes up with is going to have to be really, really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Really good. And, and also too, sorry, going back to Kenny here in that fight, didn't know this too, but post fight, in that first round, Whitaker broke his arm off a leg kick, and wow. he kept fighting through it. Wow. Super tough. Man. Man, it's super tough. We say this every week, but it's just incredible how tough these guys are. It's just absolutely mind-blowing that they can deal with the injuries they deal with, go in there, get injured during the fights, and continue on. Uh, it's just uh, incredible. Yeah. To a certain extent, they are kind of superhuman. If, yeah. you, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Because, like, you know what? That's why normal people like us don't fight. Because we can't do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to fight somebody with a broken arm and a broken foot. You out of your mind? <laughs> How about this? You know, you go to a hospital. Stay there. Heal yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been to UFC events um, where <clears throat> we ended up going with the fighter to the hospital and almost half the cards uh, in the emergency room waiting to <laughs> get their injuries looked at and broken bones set and things like that. Uh, these guys are, uh, you know, as you say, superhuman, tough as nails. Just, uh, yeah, it's, you know, take your hat off to them for what they do and how they entertain us. And, and uh, yeah, another amazing example uh, could be with a broken foot, uh, cannoneer with a broken arm. Uh, it's just, you know, amazing that they can keep, keep at it uh, with these injuries. Oh, yeah, man. It, it is absolutely amazing how they continue to just keep chugging them. Just like, oh, just reset that phone and I'll be good, bright as rain in about four months and I'll be ready to go again. It is amazing. Yeah. Uh, great heavyweight battle between uh, Alex Volkov and Walt Harris. And uh, Volkov uh, was able to 
swarm Harris in the, in that second round and, and take him out with a big knockout. Uh, what do you think of this one? I thought that Volkov looked awesome. He, he looked absolutely stupendous. He used his size and his reach to his advantage in the first round. Really controlled the entirety of this fight the entire way. And in the second, when he took out Harris with a teeth kick to the sternum, oh, man. I was like, wow, man. That, that was just wow. Swarmed him after that, took him out, end of, end of the fight. But, like, a teeth kick like that? Haven't seen that for a while. It was very impressive win by Volkov. Sure was, yeah. Oh, he looked amazing. Um, big boys, uh, 6'7", 265 against 6'5", 254. Uh, just incredible. Um, you know, huge, huge guys. Uh, fast. But, um, yeah, Volkov, just that front kick um, just really hurt Harris badly. And then he swarmed him fight was stopped that was his 32nd birthday so happy birthday what a great way to celebrate your your birthday and uh get a huge win in the heavyweight division uh yeah he's uh he's you know chugging along looking strong i think he's gonna get some really top top end talent coming up oh yeah man well so volkov's ranked number eight um he should be getting a top five guy for sure for his next fight for sure and then Maybe even another fight after that. If he wins that, then he's fighting for he's fighting for the belt. You know what I mean? Like so, he's literally like two fights away from fighting for the belt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, this uh, middleweight fight between Jacob Malkoon and Phil Hawes. Um, pretty uh, pr impressive uh, performance from Hawes. Uh, he just uh, just absolutely swarmed him. Incredible uh, knockout. Second fastest uh, middleweight finish ever. Uh, 18 seconds, and he raises his hand. Yeah, I almost missed it. I blinked. I almost <laughs> missed it. But, oh, man, Hawes just yeah, – he looked incredible, obviously. Like, uh, he staggered him with the right, closed the show with the left hook. That's all she wrote, man. Uh, he looked stupendous, spectacular, and uh, beautiful KO. Beautiful KO, man. Yeah, amazing. It was uh, great. He's uh, – Come, comes out of the uh, Dana White Contender Series, making his debut. Um, he's, uh, he's got the nickname Megatron. Uh, we've heard that uh, in football, and uh, he's also got the, that nickname. 100% finish rate. Uh, first round finishes, I think that's his seventh first round finish out of nine wins. And, um, yeah, that uh, middle league division uh, we talked about earlier with uh, Whitaker and Cannoneer, um, another uh, great contender to come in, make his debut, and and huge, huge knockout. Uh, obviously, can fight really quite soon. Uh, didn't take any damage at all. Ah, uh, yeah, uh, he might be one of those guys that hops back, right back into the keek in about three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. These guys seem to be doing a massive turnovers really quickly lately. So, um, yeah, we I will not be surprised if we see him sooner than later. Yeah, yeah. When you make that a much of an impressive debut, I th they like running you out there real quick. So, um, okay, um, Lauren Murphy, uh, Lilia Shakirova, uh, submission win by Murphy, uh, three and a half minutes uh, into the second round. Uh, yeah, what did you uh, what did you think about that? It was uh, Lauren Murphy's first submission that she ever had in her whole entire career. Yeah, that that was kind of impressive. Um, for this fight, honestly, Murphy was 
Murphy dominated every aspect of this fight. She really did. Um, and what really stood out to me in this fight was that she was just that much physically bigger than her opponent. She was so much bigger than her and so much stronger than her. So I wasn't surprised in the grappling exchanges that she won all of the grappling exchanges, every single one. And it was just a, literally a matter of time for Shekarova before um, the inevitable did happen. And she lose. I was thinking she was either going to lose by ground and pound or by some sort of submission. Submission came first. We were naked choke in the second. Uh, great win by Murphy. Yeah. Uh, Shakarova was a late replacement for Cynthia Calvillo. So uh, I could see they, them uh, putting Murphy and Calvillo back together when uh, that can happen. Um, yeah, so that should be a great fight. Uh, Calvillo had an, a fantastic fight recently. Um, I think she had some complications um, uh, with uh, coronavirus in her camp and wasn't able to uh, make this fight. But, um, yeah, I think that'll be a great fight between them uh, if they can make that happen. Yeah, hopefully they can. And hopefully uh, Cynthia does a full recovery as soon as possible from if she did contract COVID. If she has that, hopefully she has that uh, taken care of as soon as possible so that this fight can happen at some point down the road, probably like in a month or whenever from now. Yeah. The fight that uh, opened up the main card was this light heavyweight fight between Megamed Ankeleev and Ion Kutalaba. And uh, Megamed uh, looked fantastic. Uh, got the big knockout uh, four minutes and 19 seconds into the first round. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, super impressive with the Russian. And he got 50K for uh, one of the performances of the night for it. Yeah, and uh, this fight was actually a rematch of, uh, of, a, of a fight that happened between the two of them that ended in, in um, it, it didn't end well because of uh, the referee thought that Kudalaba was rocked when he actually wasn't, he was playing possum. And so they, they re-ran this, uh, this match right back to from that particular one. And uh, Ankalev showed that he was a superior fighter. He really did. With a beautiful left counter, put him down on the ground, and then ground a pound from there that finished the fight. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that they uh, they ran that fight back because that was just a complete robbery. I don't know what the referee saw, but uh, he jumped in. Didn't seem like there was uh, any kind of uh, real reason why you would jump in at that moment. And um, yeah, I think everybody was really mad and disappointed. And uh, yeah, it was smart of the UFC to. Uh, put put them back together again, and Ankalev, um, yeah, just uh, wow, another Russian fighter that's um, on a huge trajectory up to the top of the division. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, well, he put Kudalaba behind him, firmly behind him with that win, for sure. Uh, excellent win by Ankalev. The uh, the main fight in the prelims was Stefan Struve and Tai Tuivasa. Uh, both of them. Uh, haven't been showing a lot of great performances lately. Two of us was coming off a three-fight losing streak, and Struve had only won one of his last five. So I uh, wasn't sure what was going to happen here, but uh, Two of us was able to get in on that nine-and-a-half-inch reach advantage and, and still uh, take him out. He wasn't able to have a shoey after, but he still had a big victory and uh, seemed pretty excited about it. Yeah, man, like Two of us really took it to Struve right at the end of the round, right at the end of the round, and caught him with that sneaky uppercut, which folded him like a lawn chair. And then after that, a couple more hits, 
put them away. Uh, great win by Tuavasa. But with Struve, I've always, I always believe that there's, there should be more to this man because of his ridiculous length that he can always yeah. use against his opponent. And he just doesn't seem to do that. I don't know why that is. He just doesn't seem to use his length properly at all. Especially, like, not with just his punches, but with kicks as well. So, he, he can be pr- pretty frustrating. Yeah. Well, it shocks me that a guy that's uh, practically seven foot tall, six eleven and a half, would even let anybody hit him. You know, you could just keep everybody on the outside with your kicks and with your punches. Uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you be able to utilize that? That's a that's an advantage. They talk about it every fight. They show you know the guy's stats and say, okay, there's a four inch reach advantage of three, two, but nine and a half. Like that's unheard of. Uh, and you know he's still unable to keep the guy on the outside. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It must be frustrating for you and me, but it must be frustrating for his camp. Like crazy, crazy that. Yeah, yeah, man. Because like it, it just it lends itself to believe that if you're punching him at the end of that reach, that ridiculous reach, there's nobody that's going to be able to get in on you. No one, yeah. no one. But yet they still manage to find a way. Anyways, I I hope. That's the next time we see Struve that he, you know, begins to utilize that link a little bit more than what he has in the yeah. past. Yeah, this, uh, there was a catchweight fight uh, just before this one, and it was the fight of the night. Uh, both guys got 50K. Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kenny uh, ended up being a decision, but um, really fun, great fight. Uh, they were, uh, yeah, they, they went for it, both of them the whole entire fight. Uh, lots and lots and lots of significant strikes and uh, really good chins. But, um, yeah, they battled it out for 15 minutes, and it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was tit for tat. Uh, none of the fighters would ever let the other guy off the hook. You're going to hit me, then I'm going to hit you. You're going to hit me back, then I'm going to hit you back. It was action-packed from round one right to the end of round three. I'm going to be honest. I actually I had Woods winning this fight, but – I could see why, what the judges were looking at. It could have gone to either fighter, this fight particularly. It was well-paced, great fight, and a really strong win by Kenny against a very, very good fighter in Woods. Yeah. They both threw almost 50 significant strikes each in the first round, uh, really evenly matched. Uh, I thought Wood was a better fighter in that first round. Second round, I saw Kenny uh, slowing definitely noticeably. Um, but then in the third, Kenny got that big takedown and controlled him. Uh, it seemed to, you know, sway the judges on his side, I guess. Uh, and that was his second win in the uh, in October 2020. So, uh, yeah, they threw him back out there after a big win in the early October. And um, yeah, with another win, uh, I can see him being able to advance his way up up uh, division. Uh, obviously, catch weight. Uh, Said he was having a lot of weight issue um, problems. Uh, so we'll see where he has to fight next. But, uh, yeah, he's looking good. Two wins in October. Pretty impressive. Oh, very impressive. Very impressive, man. Especially with that second win coming against the guy that he beat, Woods. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where Kenny lands, what division he decides to fight at, first, number one. But uh, kid's good. He's a great fighter. Yeah. Great fighter. Uh, the welterweight fight before this was really great for me. I won a bunch of money. Uh, I saw that Alex Oliveira missed weight. Uh, he was heavily favored before 
And then uh, the odds started going back to Shavkat, but I had already made a, a bet on Rachmanov, and um, he had the big uh, submission win, guillotine choke over Cowboy. Um, yeah, he looked uh, super impressive in, in that submission win. Oh, yeah, man. He, he, looked, he looked good. Uh, and then also, too, just how it started off with the knee, then a flurry, a punches to the breadbasket, got him up against the cage. And eventually when it went to the ground, Rachmanov just, he, he, he handled it well. He handled it very well by locking up that guillotine choke immediately after they went down to the ground. And then that was all she wrote. That's all he needed. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Great for me. I was really happy uh, that I put some money on him and uh, he did, he did me fine. So uh, I was, I was really glad uh, that I noticed Oliveira had missed weight and just didn't seem to be um, in good shape for this one. Um, this other fight, um, Jung, uh, Dad Jung from South Korea fought uh, smiling Sam Alvey. Um, great fight. I uh, couldn't believe it ended up in a, in a draw. That was a, a pretty strange decision. Well, I, I guess they, it ended up in a draw because they saw the un really take it to Alvey in the third, really, really take it to Alvey in the third. So, mm -hmm. so much so that they rated that at 10, eight round clearly yeah. because they had Alvey winning. And I had Alvey winning the first two rounds. He was, he was popping the jab. Like he, he was, he was doing really well in those first two rounds, clearly won those two rounds. And that third round, Dunn really came on and was just like a house on fire. I don't know if I'd give him complete 10-8 round, but it was pretty close. It was right. pretty close. And I guess it was enough for the judges to give him the draw. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was impressive. Uh, that's, uh, now he has a 13-fight unbeaten streak, uh, looking really good. Uh, I thought Alvi was just amazing at his counterpunching throughout this whole fight. Uh, I just couldn't believe how... Um, he, he was just able to completely move and stick and move, stick and move. And, and he was just uh, really, really great in those first couple of rounds. But uh, John got that knockdown in the third. And then uh, Alvi was in a lot of trouble. Uh, some of those short elbows that Boone was throwing right and tight were um, really impressive. Yeah. And in th those th I think those short elbows is what really swayed the judges, too because they were very, very damaging, those short elbows that he's doing in tight. Yeah. Those look really nice, by the way, too. Oh, like most sense. other fighters, he probably would have had a knockout in his hands. But Sal Malvi, very, very tough. Tough yeah. fighter, man. Tough yeah. to put away. Um, okay, I, I want to talk about this women's flyweight fight. Uh, Liana Jojua and Miranda Maverick. Uh, uh, this Miranda Maverick uh, definitely seems to be, um, you know, somebody that they're, uh, putting a lot of attention on and uh, uh, for 23 years old uh, she looked like a, a really incredible fighter already uh, she seems to um, yeah be a lot of fun and uh, some of the some of the brutal elbows she uh, uh, messed up Jojua's nose uh, the doctor ended up stopping the fight at the end of the first round uh, because of the the nose uh, being so badly damaged but uh, she comes from the house of Muay Thai and uh, yeah, wow, a very impressive performance from her. Oh, yeah, Maverick destroyed the woman's face pretty much with those elbows. It was, it was hellacious with, uh, with how she was throwing them and everything else. It was, I was super impressed. I was super impressed with her win, and I was super impressed with the ferocity that she showed in the, in the octagon. It was, yeah, 
great win by Maverick. And also, too, by the way, she's got a great name. Great name for fighting. Maverick. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's amazing. Yeah, they said, yeah, that's her real name. She didn't change it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, she's a full-time student, she says. She's trying to get a PhD right now. Uh, she was the flyweight champion in Victa. Uh, she said, just imagine what I'm going to be able to do when I'm a full-time fighter and I don't have to, you know, be uh, doing something else. Uh, yeah, I think uh, she's got a great career ahead of her and being one of the youngest fighters, uh, you know, in the USC, it's uh, super impressive. <laughs> so I'm excited to see her again. Oh, yeah, man. And also, too, like, it's, it's, it's funny that, uh, you know, when she's, she's done doing her smart stuff, she can focus on just fighting and beating up people. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's great, man. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, the, the the opening fight of the night was a lightweight fight between Joel Alvarez against Alexander Yakovlev. Uh, submission win by Alvarez uh, three minutes into the first round. Uh, he uh, has some. Uh, yeah, he was able to really get a, a very impressive arm bar, and um, yeah, I. I think Yakolev uh, has lost five times to armbar. So uh, Alvarez did his homework and figured out what, what the, his weakness is, and he wasn't able to change the, the, uh, the way that he, was, he lost. Yeah, Yakolev needs to work on his armbar defense, <laughs> clearly, because he's not going to go too far in the UFC if you can't defend against a common armbar. Come on, man. Come on. Great win by Alvarez. But Yakolev really made it easy for him. I was just saying, hey, here's my arm. Here it is. Here it is. Arm bar. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was too bad. Yeah, he, uh, he's got to go back to the drawing board and figure that out. So, yeah, 254, great card. Last fight in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I enjoyed it a ton. I, I know everyone did. Um, now they're back in Vegas coming up Halloween night. First time the UFC is actually going to have a card on Halloween night in their history, which is uh, pretty shocking. I never knew that until this week. Um, it's a, it's the supposedly the last UFC fight for the Spider Anderson Silva, the Spider on Halloween, kind of cool, uh, fighting a guy that they said was going to be the next Anderson Silva at some point, Uriah Hall. Uh, this should be fun. It should be uh, great to see all the amazing. Incredible fights that Anderson Silva had over his career. The show tons of highlights. You talked about him being one of the guys uh, as the greatest of all time uh, earlier on tonight. Um, yeah, what do you think of this main event? It's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, I think those two will make it fun uh, with their their spinning techniques and and just Anderson being Anderson. Anderson Silva has wowed us and entertained us for over a decade. So. I'm looking forward to seeing him do his swan song here, his last fight. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Uriah Hall hopefully begin to step up and maybe mature as a fighter too as well with this fight. And maybe he goes on to do more in the division because I've always expected more from him. Um, but more importantly, I'm just, I'm just glad to see that the, uh, the spider is hanging them up. Yeah, I think he's had a long and illustrious career and I think it's it's a perfect time for him to walk away into the sunset. If Anderson would have retired, let's say, before losing to Weidman twice, uh, would he um, have that greatest of all time and nobody could ever touch him? T 
type of legacy? Uh, do you think he's tarnished his legacy in the last, you know, four or five years? It's it's tough to say. Like you know, like when 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 anybody's on their downward slope, you just don't want to see them go crashing. You know what I mean? And I I don't I don't think Anderson has done that. Yeah, he's he's fought and he's lost, but at the same time, you know, like when Anderson was at his best, he was really at his best. He was super at his best. So to answer your question, if he had retired before those two losses, yeah, I think unquestionably he would be the guy. Like, like he, he would be the guy, mm. but he didn't. And But you know what? That's his choice as well. If you want to continue to keep fighting, then you continue to keep fighting. It is your legacy. It's whatever way that you want to write it. It's your story to write. So, And I can't take that away from any fighter on the way that they want to write their story. Sure. No, I agree with you. Um, you know, I hate when people, you know, try to tell a guy he should retire or keep fighting. Uh, you know, it's everybody's, everybody knows uh, it takes a lot to get into to the cage. You're putting your life on the line. And, you know, I, I, I know it's so hard for athletes to walk away, you know, from that fame, that glory. They get addicted to the feeling that they get when they are fighting and, you know, yeah, I can't uh, fault a guy if he wants to continue on in his career. He seems like he's having fun still. He seems like he's enjoying, uh, you know, fighting, even if he knows it's not for belts and not for, you know, that legacy. He still seems to really, really have a lot of fun with it. Exactly. And also, too, he doesn't seem to be actually, like, uh, suffering from any any sort of, like, from long-term concussions or things of that nature, which would really tell you to stop fighting. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So if he's... If he's not suffering physically or anything else like that, and he doesn't have uh, long-lasting head trauma, of course, continue on. Do, do what you want to do. But once those things start to pop up, that's when you know very, very shortly you're going to have to hang them up. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, and then the co-main event seems like it'll be a great fight between Bryce Mitchell and Andrew, Andre Touchy-Feely. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, uh, both of those guys uh, really know how to get in there and bang. Yeah, man. They know how to bring it. And uh, Feely had a very good win on his last outing. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see his the new nuances that he added to his game for this fight coming up. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good fighters on the on the card. Kevin Holland, Greg Hardy, Moe Green, Bobby Green. Uh, yeah, it's a good fight. Uh, that'll be a nice way to spend Halloween. Uh, they're not really allowing uh, kids trick-or-treating uh, this year, I heard. So, um, yeah, everybody will be able to tuck their kids in bed early and uh, watch the fights. Yeah, yeah. It will be great for fathers, great for dads. So, uh, son, I can't take you. You know, there's this thing going on. So here's a bag of candy. Do play or do something in the corner. I got to watch these fights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, nothing you and I got to worry about, but uh, lots of dads out there that watch us and and watch the fights all the time. And and uh, this one won't be a, a pay-per-view, so we'll be able to watch the whole thing. That was kind of strange that it was uh, so early this this weekend there. That was, I think it was causing a lot of people a lot of problems. And I'm not sure how much it would have affected the pay-per-view numbers, but must have been a dramatic difference uh, for how many buys they would have got. Oh, yeah, because it, it it's super weird to be knowing that you finish watching the pay-per-view and it's 2 o'clock in the day yeah. yeah it was it, it it's just odd it's odd for us but then again i guess let's say this on the flip side for any european watcher it was always odd for them 
when we wa got the got the privilege of watching it at six to seven, then they were watching it at whatever weird time that they were watching at. Mm -hmm. So this time they get to watch it at a proper time of six seven. And this time we have to watch it at this. And you know what? Fair is fair. At the end yeah. of the day, I believe that was probably maybe even written into Nurmi's contract that some of these have to be given to my people on the European side of the continent. You know what I mean? So I think fair is fair. And if that's what it is, then that's what it is sometimes. Yeah, no, that was good for them. I, yeah, I imagine it would have been annoying uh, quite for m many years being a UFC fan over on the other side of the world and, you know, having to wake up in the middle of the night or first early, early, early in the morning. It must have been pretty tough. And I don't even like it when it's uh, on the east. If I'm in the east and I you know, have to start watching the fights at 10, 11 o'clock at night, it's crazy. Yeah, of course not. Because like we're we're creatures of habit and comfort. Like, you know, like if if you're trying to tell me it's like, oh man, so I gotta watch this every time at ten in the morning or nine in the morning, that's not cool. I don't like that. I don't like I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I wanna watch it at six or seven o'clock like I always do. Yeah. And so and we're lucky that we get to do that most of the time. And so this time if we don't get to do that, then that's fine too. That's all right, because we gotta give our brothers overseas some love. Let them have their time and let them, you know, enjoy their fights at in the evening like we always get to do. Yeah. I'm hoping eventually there's no pay-per-view. I hope they can get away from that. I hope that they can get enough dollars from television revenue and any other revenue sources and not, not have that. Uh, there's a lot, of fight, a lot of fight fans that don't get to see it. They're, you know, maybe older, not able to, you know, pay that money, not able to get out to the bars, you know, with the coronavirus uh, being, you know, so rampant, uh, it's really tough to go out and watch it. So, you know, I'm hoping eventually it's not pay-per-view. We saw boxing a couple weeks ago that was great. It was on free TV finally and more eyeballs on that fight than had been in a very, very, very long time. And, and um, yeah, hopefully the UFC can figure it out and make it more accessible to all fans. Well, you know what, they're, they're kind of on that path already. You know, like with just the sheer amount of of shows and events that they now put on through ESPN, they're they're getting there. Yeah. It's not there completely, but they're getting there. And then hopefully, like you said, one day, you know, with the enough money, with enough money, all these problems can be alleviated. Obviously, but um, hopefully, at one at some point in time, we can get there and uh, everything can be free to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that was uh, yeah, great breakdown of the UFC. A lot of fun as always. Um, so let's turn to the NFL uh, week seven. Um, a lot of fun. There was obviously some really key games that we should talk about. Uh, the first one that we should uh, discuss, I think, is the battle of the Titans. The Steelers and the Titans both unbeaten. They were supposed to face each other about three weeks before, and they didn't. Kind of glad that they didn't because it was nice to see two five and zero teams. Uh, going into battle and having this chance uh, over the last, uh, I think it's over the, the Super Bowl time. Uh, whenever there's been teams that are undefeated and facing each other this late into the year, the winner has went on to the Super Bowl. Uh, so um, yeah, big matchup. Uh, Pittsburgh was great in the first half. Titans were great in the second half. Should have actually ended up going into overtime, but didn't. But uh, yeah, what what a great uh, fun. Uh, game this ended up being oh man it was it was it was a clash of the titans like you said man and it was a it was a tale of two halves 
uh, first half, uh, Pittsburgh could do no wrong. They were, they were pretty much perfect in their execution of their offense and their defense. And then in the second half, Titans flipped the script. All of a sudden, they're perfect in their comeback. And it was a ferocious comeback that they had. They were, they were a field goal away from putting this into overtime, but unfortunately, their kicker didn't get it through. He did not get it done. And unfortunately, the Titans, well, they lost. But at the same time, they got to be pretty proud of the fact that they can come back the way they did against another 5-0 and team, as good as the Steelers are. Oh, man, they're going to be a problem going forward. Both teams are anyways, but yes. Yeah, the uh, it was it was a really a tale of two halves. Uh, if Guskowski makes that kick at the end, goes into overtime, I really wish that would have happened. It would have been a really uh, perfect way for for it to end. Uh, first, uh, this is the first time Steelers are six and all since 1978, and they won the Super Bowl that year. Uh, I mentioned that that stat off the top about the winner of that. This game always goes to the Super Bowl, so they've got the inside track looking great. Uh, ben. Um, through three picks, though, um, that seemed to really uh, give Tennessee that, that opportunity to come back. Uh, they've got um, Derrick Henry, like we've talked about. Uh, he was 20 for 75 with a touchdown. Uh, but he was stuffed on a few occasions. Uh, the Steelers' uh, front interior defense uh, was able to stop him on, on some chances and, and really uh, help promote, you know, preserve the win. Yeah, man, there was there was one goal line stance. I think eventually the Titans did punch it in, but there was one in particular where the oh my goodness, like the collision that happened was ridiculous. Like uh, one of the one of the Pittsburgh uh, linebackers came shooting through the gap, huge hit on Derrick Henry, massive hit. Yeah. So this is what happened: Derrick Henry goes back to his huddle, that linebacker goes off to the sideline. He, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, damn, man. Like, that guy is a load. He is a beast. He is something to deal with, man. But, yeah, the Steelers really came up big against him. Big. Yeah, yeah. and they suffered for it. <laughs> oh, man, that was just absolutely titanic hit there in, in, the, yes. in the middle there. That guy, uh, wow. He, I couldn't believe he could take Henry down. A lot of people have been having troubles taking Henry down the last couple seasons. But that was a hell of a hit that we're going to see on highlight reels for a long, long time to come. Uh, but yeah, if he, he probably uh, is going to have a, a headache for <laughs> weeks over that one. Cause yeah. Henry is a massive load. Yeah. Massive load. He's a massive human being, huge power running back. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's amazing if anybody can stop him. You know what I mean? It really is. Um, yeah, I'll just update you on the uh, Rams-Bears uh, game. 24-3 to Rams uh, nearing the end of the third quarter, minute and a half left. Uh, big dominating win for the Rams. So uh, they'll go to 6-1, and one, it looks like. Um, yeah, so uh, that, was, that was a really fun uh, – that was a really, really fun game. Uh, the Titans were fined $350,000 this past week for COVID violations. Uh, they were the ones that had a lot of the COVID problems early, and uh, the NFL didn't choose to find them, said it wasn't their fault, some of the things. But uh, I guess they've been keeping a really close eye on them uh, lately, and uh, I guess they made a lot of mistakes. And $350,000 is a pretty uh, hefty fine. Yeah, yeah, that the team has to pay or the owner has to pay who's a billionaire. So 
<laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty hefty. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. True enough. Ten bucks to me and you, but three hundred fifty thousand to him. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. The other uh, the other game I really want to talk about is the uh, Seattle Arizona game that was late, uh, late Sunday. Uh, man, what a what a fun game! Uh, it's great to see uh, division rivals uh, really at the top of their games, both playing well. Uh, we had the two uh, you know little miniature quarterbacks, uh, Russell Wilson <laughs> and Kyler Murray, facing each other. Um, all the amazing things that happened in that game were you know so fun and we'll break them down but but let's talk about DK Metcalf being able to come back and get Buda Baker after that interception return uh he went 22.6 miles an hour to catch him before uh, he was going to score the touchdown and, and save the touchdown they never scored on that drive it was uh, one of the greatest plays I've ever seen it was like it was like like, like if you could imagine a horror movie and you're running for your life away from the monster. The monster's like, I'm going to catch you. That was DK Metcalf. That was that was definitely DK Metcalf. I ain't never seen anything like that. Like you're talking about another really, really fast dude that can't run away from a bigger, faster dude. Like it was it was absolutely incredible that he tracked him down that way. Like I, I still can't believe. It. I still can't believe. I think it's play of the year. Uh, you know, I haven't seen anything that blew me away that much uh, this season than that. That that was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Just, you know, the, the size of DK Metcalf. To be able to catch a guy that's so much smaller than him in Buda Baker, who's a really quick guy, uh, was it was awesome. I, I just, I jumped out of my seat and was cheering and looking around for my phone so I could text people like, holy cow, that was amazing, amazing. Yeah, and also too the fact that Buddha Baker is a, is a, he's an NFL player. He's a big man. Looked like a child. Looked like a little child being run down by an adult. <laughs> that, that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. I'm like, what is DK Metcalf? Man? Like, what is he been eating? Did we develop him in the lab? Is he a super soldier? I don't know. Like that that was just ridiculous. Ridiculous yeah. to the extreme. Yeah, well, um, he didn't contribute uh, much on the offensive side of things. He only had two catches for 23 yards, but Tyler Lockett was the, the favorite target of Russell Wilson. 15 yeah. catches, 200 yards, and three touchdowns for Lockett. Uh, one of the uh, greatest performances I've seen from a Seattle receiver. The only second guy in their history to have 200 yards, Steve Largent being the other legendary Steve Largent. Uh, yeah, Lockett uh, was just dialed in all night and wow 15 catch for 200 yards that that was an amazing performance Lockett locked it down he locked it down in that performance man like he set the tone in that game even from that first catch from russell wilson the one-handed grab oh right wow, yeah with first play of the tight game. coverage yeah. that, that guy you can't play him any tighter than that yeah. that's not his fault anymore that's like oh man guy just made a play you know <laughs> yeah and that's how good he was that's how good he was for the entirety of that of that game, man, Lockett was just incredible. Yeah, and and some of those passes that Wilson was giving him, just launching them so high up in the air, and they were just coming right straight down. It was yeah. uh, so cool. The, they have been really so tight. After Baldwin left, Lockett became that guy, and uh, you know when he's on like that, uh, so fun to watch. Oh yeah, I, I think that I think Baldwin gave him 
uh, the courage to say, I can walk away because this guy's ready. You know yeah. what I mean? And he was, and he is ready. Like just that performance that he had was just, was incredible. But the touch that Russell Wilson showed on some of those passes, those moon balls, to drop it right in the basket. Oh, beautiful, man. Beautiful. Oh man, was it fun to watch. Yeah, just so great. I'm trying mm -hmm. to find a, I took a, I took a screenshot. I'm trying to find it. Um, yeah, just bear with me for a second. Um, it was <clears throat> talking about Kyler Murray and and Russell Wilson. Uh, the comparison, the two, the only two quarterbacks that are under six feet. Both of them were drafted in the NFL and and Major League Baseball. And uh, I don't think Kyler Murray actually even really has a legitimate shot at the NFL if Russell Wilson doesn't come in and do what he's done in his career. Uh, they just don't seem to look at QBs less than about 6'2", 6'3", uh, but Wilson has had that success and, and being able to show the path. And, and Kyler Murray comes in and had a fantastic game and, and has looked great in his career already. Oh, yeah, man. And also, too, like there's, there seems to be like a little bit of a discrimination with um, the, the size of quarterbacks, right? Because they feel like, if, you, if you're not above six foot or six, six, like, you know, like if you're not incredibly tall, then how are you going to see your receivers down the field? Well, these guys have just been figuring it out since they were like in high school. So of course they figure out how to get, how to see where the receivers are down the field and stuff. They'll just, you know, like they, they have worked with what they've had all their life. Yeah. And they're still that good. Yeah. So why wouldn't you give them an opportunity to prove that they are that good. You know, like, why would you not do that? Like, clearly Russell Wilson doesn't have a problem doing that. Clearly Kyler Murray doesn't have a problem doing that. Small quarterbacks are just as good as the big ones. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, here's the tail of the tape there. They, they've got Russell Wilson 5'10 and 5'8s. Uh, Kyler Murray 5'10. The only, as I said, only two quarterbacks under six foot in the NFL. In the MLB draft, Kyler Murray was drafted ninth overall by Oakland. And uh, Russell Wilson was drafted in the fourth round by Colorado. Uh, Russell Wilson was picked in the third round by Seattle, one of the steals, obviously, of the 2012 draft. And Kyler Murray went first overall um, 2019. So, uh, yeah, kind of cool. I was uh, impressed by the, the graphic I saw and thought, uh, man, uh, I, I should take a picture of that and talk about that on Monday here. Um, yeah, yeah. Fun, fun to watch those guys. Uh, I, I love it. That was such a great battle. Oh, it was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch, man. Like, I was excited that it was going to overtime. I'm like, all right, well, these are two heavyweights in the division coming after each other. Look, okay, let's see. Let's see who's number one, who's best. Unfortunately, Seattle let it slip through their fingers. The kicker couldn't hit the field goal. So, you know, it happens. It happens. You got to lose at some point in time. I just didn't want them to lose. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, it was tough. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice for them to stay undefeated. Uh, DK Metcalf did score the touchdown in overtime, but it was called back with a David Moore holding call. Uh, Seattle has lived quite dangerously. Uh, most of their games are come down to the last uh, last drive, uh, one possession games and stuff, and uh, they have uh, had a lot of hard time on defense this year. So. Um, I think they, you know, they were finally able to uh, not over, 
get more points than their defense was allowing. And, uh, you know, it finally showed the warts that they've had all year. Yeah, man, because, you know, that defense is porous. You know, like they, you, get, you can score points on that defense, and it showed in this game. Uh, they've been opportunistic at times, but uh, sometimes they just don't get the stops that they need to win the games, you know. So, uh, Russell Wilson will still have to be Russell Wilson. He'll still have to play at an MVP caliber level for this team to succeed. Yeah, exactly. A uh, great moment that happened early in the game. Larry Fitzgerald got his 1,400th career catch, uh, only Jerry Rice ahead of him, and 250th consecutive game with the catch. 11 Pro Bowls in his career. Um, Jerry is the only one that has more than him, 13. You can see uh, Rice up here behind me, uh, my favorite uh, receiver of all time. And, and uh, it's cool to see um, a guy like Larry Fitzgerald stick around and and start getting uh, into, you know, the second position behind Rice and getting all these milestones. You're talking about a guy that's behind Jerry Rice, and it's Jerry Rice. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty impressive stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. for him to get any of these accolades even close or remote to the greatest receiver that we've ever seen is a testament unto itself. Great work by Larry, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jerry Rice was mentioned again uh, in the Tampa Bay game. Uh, Tom Brady threw a touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski, and they tied Jerry Rice and Steve Young for the second most prolific tandem between quarterback and receiver with 92 touchdowns. And the uh, only guys ahead of them were Marvin Harrison and, and uh, Peyton Manning. 114. So uh, if um, if uh, Montana hadn't left and Steve Young come in there, you know, Jerry Rice would be, you know, blowing those guys out of the water. But uh, yeah, pretty cool to see Jerry Rice keep mentioning. We mentioned him a bit last week and, you know, he's mentioned a lot and uh, yeah, still holds so many of the records up there. Of course he does because he's Jerry Rice. He's Jerry Rice. And he is unquestionably the greatest receiver that we've ever seen play the game as far as I'm concerned. I don't know about them old schoolers and them people that they've seen, but for this guy right here, he's unquestionably one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess a bit, one of the biggest news that came out today was that Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, tore his ACL yesterday trying to uh, tackle a guy after an interception and he's gone for the year. Uh, Brown still pulled out the win, 37-34 over Cincy. Uh, Baker Mayfield had five touchdown passes, and they're 5-2 and two now. Uh, they beat the Bengals, who are pretty horrible as usual, 1-5-1 and one on the year. But, um, yeah, you, you know, we've talked about Cleveland, and, uh, you know, we're both, you know, pretty unsure of calling them contenders. But does this deal them the, uh, the death blow to their chances of making the playoffs? Could. It could. Uh, we'll see actually how the team responds and if like the other receivers begin to step up because uh, the hole that Odell Beckham leaves is pretty big. But that game was as exciting a game as you'll ever see. And Baker Mayfield showed his, his perseverance in that game by continually bringing the Browns back in the fourth quarter. And that pass that he had to uh, the receiver there, people something, my goodness, what a pass. 
he, he, it, you could not have placed that football any better than what he did yeah. for that catch. The catch and the pass, both unbelievable. Both yeah. unbelievable, man. So um, am I sold on them? I'm still not sold on them. You beat Cincinnati. Yay. Good for you. Yeah. You know, exactly. yeah. let, let, I, I, you got to see them come up big against a very good team. Yeah. No, that was uh, one of the most impressive, uh, you know, passes to finish off a game and get the touchdown. That was to Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, pretty great name. Uh, five touchdowns, as I said, 22 for 28, 297 yards, five touchdowns. He actually set a record to um, 21 straight completions in, in, that, uh, in that game. So, um, yeah, super impressive performance from Baker. And uh, Jarvis Landry also was uh, super solid. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about him as well. It's too bad. He has to go to Cincy and just, you know, they don't have the team that uh, they need to assemble around him. But uh, what a great piece. And uh, his stats were 35 for 47, 406 uh, passing yards with three touchdowns. And uh, another um, six carries for 34 yards and a touchdown run from, from him. Uh, yeah, I mean, this kid is uh, definitely starting to become the front runner for rookie of the year. Yeah, well, he did everything he could to try to win the game. Can't blame that on him. Like, he, he, he balled out. He had himself a great game. He had himself a tremendous game. Yeah. But unfortunately, Cincinnati is, well, you know, Cincinnati. So <laughs> he's going to have to deal with that for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun, impressive game and uh, really great. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess one of the other games that was uh, a highlight uh, was the um, – was the, the Patriots uh, losing, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, after talking to uh, Cam and Bill, uh, yeah, I, I don't mind uh, breaking down the, the, their um, troubles. Uh, it's good to see the Patriots struggle as much as they are after so many dominating years. Uh, the worst home loss in the Belichick era, first three-game losing streak in 18 years or something. Uh, Cam Newton getting benched. Uh, we were talking about him a few weeks ago as just looking super impressive and Belichick uh, pulling all the right strings. But uh, the last couple of weeks, they've looked terrible. Uh, zero touchdowns, five interceptions for, for Cam the last couple of weeks. And uh, they seem to be in, in a big mess right now. Yeah, the wheels have fallen off for old Belichick, huh? Oh, no, no. Yeah, man, I, I shouldn't be so happy at somebody's downfall, but I am. But I am. <laughs> like I really, really am. So, but uh, yeah, and unfortunately, Cam is having his difficulties. Uh, we've seen this man get benched before. I don't know if he's going to be able to pop back up, but I guess we'll see. Um, but it's it's not just Cam. Like you know, like um, there there's a lot of problems with this team, like a lot, and a lot for Bill Belichick to try to figure out to try to get them back on the path of winning, which is not going to be an easy one to do. No, not at all. No. They looking, they looking like they're in big, big trouble. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Tom Brady uh, jumped ship just right at the right time. It seems like, and uh, jumped onto the Tampa Bay um, team. And uh, Tampa Bay hasn't made the playoffs in forever as well. But um, they're five and two now. Big forty-five to twenty win. Uh, Brady uh, threw four touchdowns, had a rushing touchdown, which is pretty shocking. Three hundred sixty-nine yards through the year. Uh, yeah, they uh, 
first time five and oh uh, for uh, uh, first time uh, five touchdowns since week three and um, Brady and Gronk finally getting together uh, yeah they look they look pretty strong and they've got um, Antonio Brown coming to give them even more uh, uh, more reinforcements in a couple of weeks yeah okay so Brady looked great okay that that's great he always looks great it's great so anyways but the the big story here is Antonio Brown coming to the team now what's he gonna do that that's my real question is he going to be um, the Antonio Brown that just goes about, does his business, is freaking fantastic, and is one of the top-rated receivers in the game? Or is he going to be the vice of Antonio Brown, where he's going to go in there and just blow up the locker room, put people against each other, and all that sort of good stuff? I don't know which guy we're going to see. And on top of everything else, he still has that little legal matter that he's still dealing with that the NFL is still keeping their eyes on. So as soon as that comes as uh, whatever, whatever falls out from that, he may be suspended again or he may be kicked out of the league completely. Who knows? But for now, I, I'm just curious to see if he can actually contribute and not take away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, he, him and Brady uh, had one game together last year, and uh, it was pretty uh, – prolific uh there was rumors that Seahawks, the seahawks were the front runners to to sign him and and bring him back into the nfl and i was really disappointed to hear that i didn't think uh brown would be a fit there he seems to have been a cancer on the last few teams he's played on and uh yeah i just can't can't keep himself out of trouble uh obviously uh you know still has one more week to go on a suspension uh legal trouble still looming uh, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that people are still giving him a shot, but uh, we'll see um, what he brings uh, to, the, to the Tampa Bay. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's a big gamble. Uh, obviously not a lot financially, but, um, yeah, he can come in and disrupt a, a team that seems to be rolling right now. He's an incredible talent. That's why you, you take a flyer on him. And then also, too, probably because Brady said something. That's why another reason why you take a, a flyer on him. Yeah. But also, too, not now that Brady has probably said something on his behalf, that's on his word now. So now, he, to a certain respect, Brady's got to keep an eye on himself as well. Make sure this guy doesn't go off the rails. You know what I mean? So yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see, man. It'd be great if he just comes in there and is just, like, good and they don't have to worry about him because then that receiving core that uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks have is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. What are you going to do with that? Okay. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's just blast through some of the other games. Um, Chiefs really hammered the Broncos 43-16. Um, didn't seem like Patrick Mahomes had, had a very big game. Uh, that was his 17th straight game with a touchdown, but he only had a couple hundred, uh, couple hundred uh, passing yards with one touchdown. But, um, their defense was great. Uh, Byron Pringle, 102-yard kickoff return. They got a pick six. Um, and they also added Le'Veon Bell this past week. He finally got into some action. Um, yeah, the rich get richer and uh, with the Chiefs there. Um, even, even with Mahomes not having a really prolific game, they still stomped uh, the Broncos. Yeah, because then the defense and the special teams step up and say, hey, don't worry. Patrick, you can have an off game. We got you. It's all good. 
And then also, too, now that they have Le'Veon Bell just waiting in the wings saying, hey, man, I used to be pretty good. And I'm pretty healed up because I haven't really been doing much. <laughs> I'm doing anything. So, like, yeah, like you said, the rich just keep getting richer. And uh, KC is, ugh, they're just getting scarier. That's cool. Good to see from <laughs> Yeah. Uh, first time Le'Veon touched the ball, uh, he ran for 16 yards. Uh, in his year and a half with the Jets, he only ran for 16 yards once. So the Jets didn't have uh, Le'Veon Bell at his best. And, uh, yeah, I think Kansas City with uh, Edward Hilaire and, and Bell now, uh, yeah, look out. Uh, the rest of the league is uh, definitely going to have a hard time matching their offensive totals. So, uh Unfortunately, I have to do. I do have to talk about this a little bit. Uh, Atlanta had another collapse, and uh, it was it's blamed on Todd Gurley today because he uh, had a a touchdown that uh, he shouldn't have scored, and they're calling it a losing touchdown. Uh, they they were able to run out the clock if he doesn't uh, score the ball. Uh, Detroit just allowed him to run into the end zone, and he tried to get down, but he tripped. And he fell, and he landed on the goal line and scored the touchdown. Matthew Stafford was able to grab the ball and march it all the way down the field and, and uh, get the winning touchdown with no time remaining on the clock. And uh, everybody's blaming Gurley for being a big screw-up and scoring a touchdown when he shouldn't have. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of this one? That's ridiculous. So, so, so he screwed up by scoring a touchdown. Is that what you're, is this what you're telling me? Oh, man, Atlanta, Atlanta's got a lot of problems, man. Oh, Jesus. If, if you're talking about a player and you're saying it was his fault because he scored that touchdown, it's like, yeah. that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at. That's where my Atlanta Falcons are at right now. Oh, they're a damn mess. But, um, but you know what, though? I do have something to say about that last drive by Detroit. The second pass before they got into the end zone to set up their, 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 their scoring drive, to set up the score for the next play, I should say. Did he actually have the ball secured? Was that an actual pass, catch? Was yeah. it an actual catch? Because they went up to the line pretty quick, and they got the, they got the ball snapped. But I'm not necessarily sure that that was an actual catch. Right. So, yeah. but anyways, it doesn't yeah. matter. You want to know why? Because the Falcons have bad luck. They're always going to have bad luck. This is not their season. Everything's going to go wrong for them. And yes, that's what happens when you're the Atlanta Falcons for this year. You lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was tough to see. Holy cow. Another victory they seem to have and and they lost again. Um yeah, let's fly through some of these other Chargers beat the Jags 39-29. Justin Herbert, a phenomenal game. Keenan Allen, 10 for 125. Um in on the Jags team, uh Jesse Armistead has twice been hospitalized for COVID, and now they called him out for the whole entire season because of this. Um, that's the first time I've, I've heard of an athlete um, being called unfit to play for an entire year anymore. Uh, I'm interested in trying to find out some more information on that, but uh, that was one of the shocking news that came out today for me. Yeah, you'd think that'd actually be more of a, a news story. Let's mm -hmm. be honest here. With all the stuff that we're dealing with right now, and to hear that, like one of our the the, the peak pinnacle athletes that we've we've come to enjoy watching is really really sick now, has got to be a major concern for the NFL, yeah. a major concern, because yeah. 
they better be keeping a very close eye on said player. Because if something else goes down and he gets actually even worse, oh, man, you're going to be looking at other players saying, I don't know if we want to continue doing this. Yeah, you're right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought it would be a, a much, much bigger story. But, um, yeah, just a small headline I saw. So, uh, I mean, a small tagline on the bottom of the screen. So, um, yeah, I'm going to do some uh, looking more into it, and uh, we'll probably be able to talk about that more next week. Uh, Green Bay had a huge uh, 35-20 win over Houston. Devontae Adams, another massive game for him. We talked about Lockett earlier. Uh, he had 196 yards on 13 catches and two touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had four touchdowns through the air, 283 yards. But he uh, obviously loves Adams, and wow, what a game. Yeah, man. Devontae Adams, is. Uh, he pulled his impersonation of Tyler Lockett. Just, you know, fell short by four yards. Not a big deal. But anyways, yeah, man, Devontae Adams had himself a game. And also, too, it's easy to have yourself a kind of game like that when you have Aaron Rodgers passing the ball. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Jones was hurt. He wasn't playing, but Jamal uh, Williams stepped in. 19 runs for 77 yards. Uh, one touchdown, four catches for 37 yards. So uh, pretty impressive performance by him. Uh, Drew Brees. Uh, was passed by Tom Brady for the most touchdown passes in NFL history. So he has 558. Brady has 559. I'm sure that's going to flip-flop uh, the rest of the season. Um, but the Saints got the big 27-24 win over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the Panthers kicker came up short at the end of the game with a 65-yard field goal attempt. Uh, wow, what a leg on him. Uh, he just needed one less yard and he would have made it. It was yeah, 64 man. instead of 65. Uh, this game goes to overtime. Yeah, yeah. He was that close. He was that close. He just needed to put a little bit more air into the ball. Like, it was right down the middle, and it just fell short. Ah, brutal. But, hey, that's the way it goes. Yeah. They talked about this being Bridgewater's against Breeze because he was his backup recently. Um, Breeze had a, a – Pretty good game. Bridgewater was uh, 23 for 28, 254, and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, pretty good performance. But the Saints go on to another big win. Uh, Philly beat the Giants 22-21. Uh, Carson Wentz uh, had a huge game, 359 yards passing, uh, two touchdowns through the air and one on the ground. Uh, they played Dallas uh, on Sunday night, and Dallas suffered a massive loss with Andy Dalton uh, taking a concussion, getting hit. And uh, being out of that game into concussion protocol, uh, they talked about maybe a possible uh, suspension for Bostic, but um, they, they made an announcement today, no suspension. Might be a fine. Uh, but 25-3 to three, uh, lost by the Cowboys. Uh, still have a chance at this division, which is uh, brutal. But, um, yeah, what would you think of that hit, first of all? How the hell is he not, like, like suspended? Are you kidding me? What the? <laughs> Oh, oh, man. oh, man. That that sends a very dangerous message to the players. Yeah. That sends a very dangerous message. That I can take off the quarterback's head and not worry about it too much. It's fine. It was That was as dirty a hit as it gets, man. Yeah. He, he hit him so hard his helmet came off. Yeah, that Jeez. was it was brutal, dirty. Uh, Mike McCarthy um, in the post-game interview said that 
he was really disappointed in his team not stepping up and standing up for the guy. Uh, what did you think about that? Uh, were you surprised that some of the Dallas players didn't go after Bostick and, and try to uh, get in his face about taking their quarterback out? Well, I guess he's a scary dude. He scared all those grown men. He scared them away. <laughs> no, you're not going to do anything about this. I'm the bully. But anyway, so, but seriously, it, they should have done something. You just don't take out a teammate like that and you just go, oh, man, oh, man, what a horrible hit. Oh, man, I hope he gets up. Ah, he's not getting up. <laughs> Are you serious, man? Yes, you can. There's obviously there was an element of shock, and I get that. But after the shock wears off, you go after that guy. You go after him hard. You know what I mean? It's like you don't, you don't take out of my teammate like that. That's dirty as hell. And so that also underlies – it shows you just how just how d- dysfunctional the team is right now. Yeah. Like, as, like, if you're not going to pick up for a guy that just got his head taken off, then what the heck is going on with your team, man? Yeah. Serious? Yeah. Brutal, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it would have made a difference. It was Dak Prescott. Uh, maybe uh, Andy Dalton just doesn't have the room like uh, Prescott does. But, um, yeah, it's brutal. Um, you know, you see as soon as a guy, you know, hits a quarterback a little bit suspect on a sack, Guys are in his face, uh, you know, but to almost uh, kill a guy and take his head off like that, uh, no response. Uh, brutal. Uh, Dallas is brutal. Not a cohesive team. And I sure hope they, uh, you know, lose out the rest of the year. I, I'm, I'm not enjoying much coming out of the Dallas camp. It's not fun to watch that team at all. Uh, Washington did suffer a huge loss with their safety. Landon Collins out for the season with an Achilles injury. Brutal for them. Um, but really great news today. Their coach, Ron Rivera, uh, had his last cancer treatment. He walked up to the bell in the hospital and got to uh, ring the bell, being uh, able to finally say this is his last cancer treatment. Hopefully he goes into remission and never comes back. And uh, really nice to, to see him survive through this. No, of course it is, man. Like um, Ron Rivera is a good man, great coach. And uh, through what he suffered, through what many people suffered with battling cancer, at least it looks like, you know, uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel and looks like he's probably going to make it out of this, which is just incredible. It's awesome to see. I do want to talk about um, the CFL briefly. You and I haven't talked much about the CFL, but uh, David Braley, the owner of the BC Lions, we found out today that he passed away at the age of 79. Uh, he's very instrumental on the CFL uh, continuing to uh, exist and to continue to roll on. He was the owner of the BC Lions. Uh, he also owned the Hamilton Tiger Cats and Toronto Argonauts at different times through the year. Uh, a lot of people think that this league might not even actually exist if he didn't step up and help keep uh, money injected into these teams and, and keep pro football in this country. And uh, great man. I was really uh, always uh, very impressed when I got a chance to talk to him and, and speak to him and big props to him and condolences to his family and friends. Yeah, man. He's, uh, he was one of the guys that was, as you said, as you put it, uh, instrumental in keeping the, the league afloat uh, for those lean years. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a sad day indeed uh, for the, for a great man to have passed. Yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, sort of end on that note, everybody. But um, yeah, we were talking about NFL and just uh, switch gears into the CFL to finish it off. But uh, 24 10, seven minutes left in uh, the Monday night football game. Uh, Rams got the ball. So yeah, I'm sure they're going to secure their fifth win. They'll both be uh, five and two after this game. Um, yeah, a lot of um, great matchups this, this weekend. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited about the, the, the division sort of seeing itself. Some of the uh, positions that you're seeing people in uh, top of divisions, wild cards. Uh, yeah, the, the, the league's almost halfway through and um, they've been able to be relatively unscathed with the coronavirus. Obviously, we mentioned um, earlier uh, this guy, uh, Armistead, uh, having to uh, leave and uh, go check himself back in the hospital. But, um, you know, fairly good so far halfway through the season. Surprisingly so, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, even with all their protocols and stuff. Like, as far as I'm concerned, there's still very a lot of variables you just can't account for when you travel from arena to arena. But you know what? They're making it work. Good for them. Good for yeah. the NFL. I just hope for the NFL's sake, because with that, 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 that story being pushed to the background, so to speak, hopefully that doesn't get any worse. Because if it does, that's a bigger problem for the NFL than anybody can actually even begin to think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think any of us know uh, what the long-term health effects are. You know, I've seen some reports where people are still suffering three, four, five months later after they had COVID. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's going to be, uh, I think they said scarring in your lungs and, you know, different health concerns that they're not sure of because this is such a new disease on the horizon. And uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, all the best to him and uh, hopefully the NFL can keep at it. Uh, yeah, very surprising. I thought we were going to have a lot of troubles with this season, but so far it's uh, it's come together not too bad. Yeah, so far it has. And Hopefully, I hope for like for the players and for the staff or all the teams and stuff, it continues to go like this pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah, baseball is almost finished. Uh, um, tomorrow night's uh, game six. Uh, following night, I guess, it will be game seven. So baseball is almost done. Uh, you know, North American sports outside of MLS, um, you know, NFL's it. So, uh, yeah, let's hope they can keep soldiering on. We can keep breaking down games. Uh, what a fun weekend that was, and and I'm sure we're going to have a lot of great football games to talk about from week to week. So uh, thanks so much for joining me as always, bud. It was uh, it was fun. Oh yeah, always is fun, my friend. Always is fun. So enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm really glad you're off this week. Uh, enjoy your week. Have have a good time. Oh yes, I definitely will. You know that for sure. <laughs> okay. All right, buddy. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Uh, Thanks to Jason. Thanks to you. Um, uh, yeah, this is actually kind of fun uh, being able to hang up some shirts and jackets and jerseys and put up a little bit of different backdrop for you. Um, but uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the NFL. Hope you enjoyed our breakdown of that. And I hope you enjoyed the UFC as well. Uh, sad to see Khabib uh, hang him up, uh, leave his gloves in the cage, as they say. And and decide to retire. Um, yeah, really too bad. Uh, but uh, nice to be reflect back on a really historic career. And and uh, also George St. Pierre. Um, you know, thanks so much for all that you've done for the sport. And you know, you'll you'll always be one of the greatest of all time. I wish you would have been able to uh, have your battle against Khabib like you wanted to, but it wasn't to be. So 
um, yeah, take care of yourself. Have a really great week ahead and uh, keep tuning in. Go to our website. Um, go to our, our sponsors. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mention much about our sponsors this time. Pampas and Possibilities, Verbero, Forever Living, and, and Anchor. Um, please go to completesportsmedia.com and uh, support them. And yeah, take care of yourself. Like I said, bye for now.